Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles will show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, you just swap them out for more new-to-use styles. Since having kids, I have kind of lost my personal style and I'm using Armoire to help me find it again while trying out different brands and styles without having to add more physical stuff to my wardrobe. And I have a few events that are coming up that I know I am going to want some fancier items to wear than the items that I own. And I don't really want to go shopping for items that are going to sit in my closet without being worn after that one day. I hate the waste that that creates and I love that Armoire allows you to rent high quality designer clothing for any occasion and then send it back. I'm just really grateful that I have Armoire to help me dress for the occasion without having to add something to my closet permanently that I know I'm only gonna be wearing once. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armwire.style slash minimalish. That's armwire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash minimalish to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armwire today. You're listening to Minimalish, a podcast where we talk about simplifying our stuff, our lives, our motherhood, all in a realistic way so that we can make room for what matters. We're not here for perfectly tidy homes or seeing how much we can possibly declutter. We're here for living with less, realistically. It's going to look different for all of us, but we're not really focused on how our version of minimalism looks anyways. We're focused on how it feels. I'm your host, Desiree. I'm a mom to two and on my own journey of living with a little less clutter so I can have more space for an intentional life. I'm no expert and I like to think of this as a corner of the internet where we're learning and growing together. So let's walk towards a more simple and intentional life. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back to Minimalish. Today we are continuing our back to school conversation where we are talking all about simplifying the back to school season. But this time, like I said last week, we are coming at it from a homeschooling perspective. I know that homeschooling has grown since the pandemic, and some of us might have felt during that time a confirmation that homeschooling was not for our family. Others may have felt a curiosity, like maybe homeschooling could be for us. Now, what I do know as a teacher (laughs) is that virtual schooling, like what was happening in the pandemic, was kind of a mess. It is more so school at home and not homeschooling. I also know that it was a catalyst for many families into this new way of learning for your kids. Whether or not you homeschool, or if you have been doing it since way before the pandemic, or you're just thinking about it for a possible future, I wanted to share a homeschooling perspective in this series because I've learned that there are many homeschooling families in the minimalist community. I also love to just feature different perspectives and different choices that people make for their families on this show. I think this conversation is such a fun and interesting one, and Mandy, my guest today, is great. Whether or not your choice is to homeschool, We talk about getting stuff done with a toddler around. We talk about learning spaces in our homes. And we talk more back-to-school yeses and nos like we did last week. And I think like our first back-to-school episode last week, there is just something to be gained from everyone's story, whether or not it directly relates to your own. So I hope you listen in regardless. Let me tell you about my guest today. So Mandy Davis is a former school principal and teacher with a background in both public and private education. She had a passion to provide a solid academic foundation alongside life-giving opportunities and freedom for her children, and she watched her priorities and goals shift. She brought all of her focus back to the home, and Mandy and her husband, Josh, found themselves moving their family onto 10 acres in Central Oregon and creating the life that they had only dreamed could exist. Now they are a homeschooling, homesteading family of five, and Mandy shares her story 
and experience to help other moms find joy through giving their family a wild and free life at home. Now, I do want to preface our conversation by saying that I ask Mandy the question that I think probably many homeschooling moms get asked over and over again, and that is why. Why did she make the decision to make such big shifts in her life? And Mandy's response is candid and full of passion, and it is her story. We both were able to relate on things that we both saw as former teachers and she as a principal within the education system that maybe are things that aren't working and that could use some big change. But if public or private education is your school choice for your family, I don't want you to leave this conversation feeling like you've made a wrong choice. We all have to make the choice that is best for our families. Mandy is sharing her her perspective and her choice. Allow yourself to take from every episode on this podcast what works for you and leave what doesn't. And allow yourself to get curious about others' choices and lives and what different options could look like in your own life. But if it isn't for you, that doesn't mean it's wrong or you're wrong. For example, over the years, as I've heard people talk about homeschooling, because of my own experience in the classroom and my own situation, being home with my kids a lot already. It has always made me curious. It has always kind of sparked my curiosity. It has always spoken to me. On the other hand, when I hear people talking about homesteading, which I've had a lot on this podcast as well, while I think it's great for them and it really does sound lovely, it doesn't really speak to me in a way that makes me want to make real different moves in my life. They can be really passionate about it and think it's the best decision, but that doesn't make me angry. And it also doesn't make my lack of passion for it or the fact that I'm not going to go into homesteading right now. um, It doesn't make that wrong, right? We're all different. We have different situations, different lives, different passions. So our choices and the paths we take will all look different. I was actually mulling over our own school decision just yesterday and I opened up a fortune cookie. Okay, don't make fun of me. I'm going to <laughs> to tell you my fortune cookie fortune. Um, but it was just so relevant to this this back to school conversation that I've been having with myself, at least. And I think it's relevant to the fact of we're featuring two different back to school perspectives on the show. The fortune cookie said something like, it matters not what path you take, but rather who you become on the journey. You as a mom, your kids, your family, who you become this school year, how you grow and how you keep one another at the center, that's what matters. The path you take to get there, it will depend on what's best for your family. So with all of that said, let's dive into my conversation with Mandy. Okay, Mandy, I'm so excited to have you on the show today and just to learn a little bit about your journey, but just also learn some things that you do to keep, I guess, the the back to homeschool season and just homeschool in general uh, a little simpler. So before we dive into that, can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure, absolutely. Um, My name is Mandy Davis. I am a former school principal, um, current EDD and PhD, and um, have now found myself homeschooling my um, three kiddos. I have um, three throughout all three educational milestones. So I have a middle schooler, a seventh grader, a primary and elementary um, fifth grader, and then baby boy would be in that um, early pre-school age. Um, We live out on 10 acres in Central Oregon and just completely changed um, our life and our approach to education and what um, what we wanted our everyday to look like um, back in 2022 when I left my role as principal. Yeah. I, whenever I kind of learned a a little bit about your story. I could relate to it. And I am a former teacher as well. And I just even seeing that you're a former principal, you saw the insides of, <laughs> you know, what it, what the schools are like right now. Um, and I don't want to blanket statement every school, but I, I just had similar experiences that I could resonate with your story. So I do want to hear a little bit about, and I think this is probably a question that you get all the time. I think anyone who homeschools is going to get the question, 
just, you know, why, why did you choose that path? Why did you change your life so vastly? And um, if you want to talk about like how long you've been, well, you said 2022. So you already mentioned that, but, but why did you make this choice? Sure. So I had actually homeschooled prior as well. I homeschooled when my kids were um, in their early primary years. And then as well as a year, kind of that first year and a half through COVID um, as well. And, you know, our, I would say I made the change to homeschool for two um, very specific reasons. And motherhood played a role in both of those and wanting to do um, what was best for my children. But um, my first choice was to leave a school system that coming from the inside, um, I really saw was an environment that I didn't want my own children in. There's a lot going on in our schools today. And um, funny enough, the people who should have the biggest voice, the parents and the students seem to have the smallest voice. And um, being on that side of both an educator and feeling like I didn't have control in my classroom and then becoming an administrator and hoping, okay, this this is where the change happens and still just feeling bound by bureaucracy and red tape over everything. I was the principal within my children's school and couldn't do what I needed to do to protect and affect their education. Um, So I needed to leave um, because of that reason. And And then I think that second choice is we knew their education needed a change, but it was a very active choice not to just leave, but to choose homeschooling. Um, and also coming from education, I just see it as a huge academic advantage and life-giving choice for my kids. You know, looking at the school system as a whole, it's like a cruise ship that is moving very slowly. It's slow to change. Um, it really can't individualize its approach to all passengers. It's just a cruise ship there to serve as well as it can everyone on that ship. But when you choose to homeschool, you're now in this small speedboat just with your children. You can pivot quickly to changes. Um, You can address their specific needs and um, learning interests. And so, you know, I am so thankful for our teachers and I am so respectful that our public school system is still definitely serving some and is so necessary. But I'm just also on that side that's always going to push for reform and better for our children and our children's children. And in the meantime, I had to make that choice for my children to provide them with what I knew would be that life-giving option. Yeah. I I love your story. So thank you for sharing it. I think, you know, there are a lot of people who are choosing homeschool right now or curious about it. So thank you for sharing because I know, you know, your words can maybe encourage someone who who is afraid to make that choice. Today, what I really want to focus on, though, is a little bit lighter, a little bit <laughs> because that can get really heavy, right? Although it's a really important conversation and a lot of us are curious about homeschooling, can seek out someone like you or anyone who has been doing it for a few or more years and can encourage them to take the jump if that's what's best for them. So what I do want to focus on, though, um, is just, you know, what what does your back to school season look like? And the first question is just, I would love to hear what are your feelings about the upcoming back to school season? And even if you want to talk about, you know, what has this season always been to you as like an educator and and what does it feel like to you now? And do you do like summer off and have back to school season around this so, time? So we actually, we've moved to a year round learning model. So we work as best as we can just to pair life with learning for so long, for so, so long. I felt... um so restricted and confined to a school schedule. And I didn't even realize how much it had come to run our everyday until I stepped out of it. Um, But our wake-up times, our family time, the amount of homework the kids would have keeping them busy in the night, um, the planning and packing the day before school, everything was kind of run by the system. So having this freedom now to – 
really live life first and fit in learning in our education um, that makes the most sense to our family. We found that the year-round model works best for us. And I'll also say um, that my husband's always had um, a job that's more seasonal in construction and being a contractor. And so having, you know, that full summer off in his busiest season um, didn't also maybe make the most sense for us. So we do have a year-round learning model. However, we do always celebrate the kickoff to a new school year. And for me, um, it comes with so many feelings to unpack. And I really like to share with moms that that's okay. I came from um, public school system, as did my husband. And then I taught in both public and private and was um, school principal at a private Christian school. Um, my children have been in public school. They have been in private school, now homeschool. And there are a lot of emotions there to unpack. So we stay very aware of that, both on ourselves and our children. Because who doesn't remember those first days of school? And our society now is just at a buzz with it, with back-to-school sales and back to school supplies. Um, so we really talk about it a lot and we gain excitement around our new traditions and, and new way of living as well. So back to school season is still so exciting, um, as a homeschooler. Um, and, I think that we really also lean in to how different it looks and then finding appreciation in that when still, you know, being okay and allowing ourselves to be nostalgic with the past that we knew. And definitely um, as an educator and former school principal, you know, we still, I still had that excitement. And so um, I just allow myself to work through those feelings every year. Yeah, I... I love that you shared that because I think feeling nostalgia for for all of those things that have have been normal for so many years. I mean, it's not just like your kids had experienced it, but you had experienced it for years as a teacher and then as a student as well. And I can imagine that there are bittersweet feelings that come up. And so, you know, to to just sit with those and know that that doesn't mean it's the wrong choice, right? Those are Definitely. just those are just traditions and your traditions look different. So I'm just really glad that you shared that because I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Oh gosh, yes. In our first years, it really caused a lot of doubt because you have these big overwhelming feelings and I'm thinking, am I making the right choice? If I'm feeling this way, am I making the right choice? But it was really about leaning into, okay, if I'm feeling this big of emotions, gosh, my purpose is strong. And yeah. it just kind of strengthened our resolve. And for me too, there was also a realization that, you know, here I'm sitting and I've been in education, we'll just say, you know, 30 plus years as myself, as a student and as an educator. But my children, while they had connections to first days of school past, they're not feeling it the same way we are as adults. Because a lot of our um, feelings is also that fear of, are my children missing out? And I can tell you, they are not thinking about it in that same sense that we are. So really accepting that as well and knowing this is going to feel a thousand times heavier on me um, was just helped me to be able to carry that load. I learned recently that I have over 46,000 photos on my Apple Photos, most of these living on my phone, and I think we all can relate to that. We have a million files on our phones, our computers, our tablets. Maybe we don't want to delete them, but we also can't figure out how to organize or even protect them. And once I got my new computer, I finally vowed to myself that I would find some kind of organization system. And that's why I'm so excited about Mylio. It's a new free app ready to change our disorganized photo and digital file lives. I've recently started using Mylio to protect and organize my photos and videos. I've just started using it to organize my kids' artwork as well. So I take a photo of my daughter's artwork 
I organize it into different folders in Mylio, and I don't even have to feel guilty about getting rid of physical artwork that my child makes, which we know can add up quickly, but I still don't lose it because it's all in Mylio. Mylio creates a universal library of all of your digital files scattered across different devices. You privately manage all of those files on the devices that you own. Mylio can easily get rid of duplicates of similar images. Plus you can personalize your library with face tagging and metadata or find anything in seconds with AI. I also love that it was so easy to import all of my Instagram and Facebook photos via Mylio. Don't wait. You can organize your digital life today. Download Mylio for free on your computer or mobile device by going to our special URL, mylio.com slash minimalish. So download Mylio for free right now through our special URL, M-Y-L-I-O dot com slash minimalish. That's mylio.com slash minimalish. Okay, so um, I would love to hear just kind of like more tangibly, do you have a designated school place in your home? And is there anything we we like to talk about decluttering here on Minimalish? So is there anything that you do to kind of simplify or declutter that space um, to get it ready for the school year? Oh, yes. So I am that viral Instagram mom that moved into a small farmhouse without space to homeschool. I was completely okay homeschooling from the kitchen table. We've done that. It works. And I cannot stress enough that you do not need a homeschool space in order to homeschool. However, what we did was transform our garage into our homeschool room. And so um, my husband's actually a contractor and just a little side story here. When I met him, I wanted to learn and understand what he does. So um, I studied and I became a licensed contractor as well. And now one of our passion projects we work through together is just space and creating spaces that we love together. And that became our homeschool room. Um Again, it's, it doesn't enhance or make our homeschool better, but for me as mom, it makes my flow and impacts my organization in a positive way. And um, I've just found it helpful in that and, and keeping um, what I need organized and readily accessible and available. Yeah, I, I had seen that transformation that you've hosted and it's, it's a beautiful space. Is there a time of the year where you kind of, um, refresh that space or do any kind of decluttering or is that something that you have a system for that you do throughout the year? What does that look like for you? Sure. I kind of, I kind of declutter as I go, honestly, I, um, I like a neat and tidy space and, um, I don't think I would have been able to keep it as organized if I was in year one of homeschooling. And that's another recommendation I make to moms is don't start a homeschool room, at least something permanent until you've homeschooled for a while, because you won't know what you need. You know, it, it, our homeschool room a lot and a lot of the design came out of necessity of, okay, I'm always looking for a place to drop our morning work. Okay. I need something to separate X, Y, and Z supplies. And I need these certain resources to be readily available. And I need these other ones to be out of reach of the baby boy. (laughs) And so, um, I definitely declutter as we go, but this particular fall season and and early kickoff to school um, is definitely when I do a little bit more of that just to refresh the space a bit and and get the kids excited. And then through every new unit study, I I refresh and um, just redecorate the shelves a little bit to get the kids excited about what we're learning and working on next. Since you mentioned it, I would love to hear, uh, are there any tips you have for homeschooling moms out there who do have little ones, um, (laughs) you know, toddlers running around that might make it feel like, okay, how am I going to do this this year? I'm, I know, how old is your little one? 20, almost 21 months old. (laughs) Okay. So I, I have a, I think like 17 month old or something like that. It's hard to keep track after a while. And I know she's, 
a lot to to chase around, and, you know, and she brings us so much joy, but is very active. So um, what does that look like for you to homeschool with a little one? Oh, gosh, or any I tips have, you might have? <laughs> yes, I have so many thoughts around this. Okay, so one thing I need to start with, because oh, sometimes social media can be such a blessing of of free information, of community, but other times we can see trends start that are actually dangerous or negatively impactful. And a trend that I'm seeing right now are parents of toddlers, um, toddlers like one-year-old to three-year-old, that um, they're sharing, look at my toddler's new homeschool curriculum. Look at this homeschool space. Oh my goodness. Please do not start formal learning with a toddler. I think it's very easy to get excited about homeschooling and want to homeschool. And also it's exciting to see or feel, oh my goodness, my kiddo is advanced or they're already interested in books or, you know, all of these things that as a parent just get us excited. And of course on social media, there's also the aesthetic that I'm sure that parents love to share. However, one of the reasons we lean into homeschooling is to provide this incredible educational and life-giving option to our children. And something that we are learning more and more about is pushing the formal learning past age five. And so to see all these parents starting so young, I just, just don't, just don't start your kids that early. When you see that they're advanced, get excited, be excited for them, but also know in the back of your mind, starting this early might feel okay this early, but it's going to cause burnout for both you and your child later. You're going to be looking at tasks that they're just not, even if they're physically ready to hold a pencil, they're not mentally ready to understand this is a direction, this is what I do, and it's going to become such a negative affect on their later learning. So that's kind of my soapbox there that I just have to get out. Um, when it comes to, I have a toddler at home and I'm homeschooling, um, gosh, I know, I know that juggle well. And and we, we always say that we include crews. And what that looks like in our day is the constant placement of connection over curriculum. And our daily flow is so focused around his schedule because that's the phase of life our family's in right now. We push and we get a lot done during nap time. Um, we push and we get a lot done um, when dad is home or when one of the girls are taking some one-on-one -on -one connection time with Cruz and then I have one-on-one -on -one time with the other kiddo. And then when it comes to whole group and, and just kind of that natural, um, we're working on a core subject and everyone is present in the homeschool room in the day. That's kind of what helped me set up the space, um, was where can the girls be and still feel like they are comfortable and confident to work and learn and grow? And where can Cruz be where he doesn't feel ignored or pushed to the side? Um, and so, so far it's been working well and a lot just comes with the acceptance of it's going to look completely different than a classroom. But at the same time, I feel like that's what we're going for as homeschoolers is we don't want to replicate any part of the school day. We just want our homeschool and our home to feel like home. And so leaning into that home culture, um, the girls, I think, would say it's fun because I watch them as they almost play school with him as though they're the homeschool mama and he's <laughs> he's ready to be learning. And so just making it fun and um, including when you can and giving yourself grace on the days where they're just not having it and it's affecting everyone because it's going to be a lot more stressful to all parties to you and your children if you continue to try to make it work when it's just not going to happen. On those days, I just pack it up. You know what? We need to get out of the house. Let's go to the museum. Let's go outside. Let's um, take our learning somewhere else because we're not handling it 
well in the house today, and that's okay. So um, just that constant flexibility and that grace for yourself. I can only imagine, I have not experienced it yet, but I have a six-year-old and a one-year-old and they love each other so much and they're so sweet together. And I can only imagine that, uh, you know, it can get a little bit <laughs> exhausting if you're trying to push through and enforce it on days where, where really either of them aren't having it, but especially uh, the the toddler who, <laughs> you know, they, they run on their own their Definitely. own kind of time and, and energy. <laughs> yes. Um, what does, you mentioned your rhythm of what your, your days kind of are kind of pivoted around his schedule right now. Um, so can you share a little bit about what your daily rhythm or routine actually looks like? Absolutely. I always think it surprises people a little bit to hear, <clears throat> especially because I'm so highly organized. Um, that we do not have any set schedule. Um, I started out with a schedule <clears throat> actually lining out, gosh, almost hourly. Like this is when we're going to work on core. This is where language arts. Then we're going to transition to this. And, you know, again, coming from education, I was thinking of timetables and what times do children learn best and when will they need breaks? And it was a nightmare. It was truly a nightmare. Um, it puts so much pressure on me and my day that I always felt behind because life happens. And, and with kids, um, their needs fluctuate throughout the day. And this was supposed to be the beauty of homeschool is leaning into those natural fluctuations and being flexible. But when I was staring at a planner of nine to 10 was supposed to be math. Oh my goodness. I didn't get any of that done. You feel like you failed and then you lose confidence. I just absolutely threw out that planner and said, we can't have a schedule. So I organize our rhythm more in a weekly flow of what, where do I want to end up? What does every kiddo need to accomplish by the end of the week? And I say, what do they need very loosely? Um, where do I want to end up at the end of the week? Now with my middle schooler, I show her this and I let her know this is kind of our path because I want her to be in charge of her schedule more than me telling her, hey, it's time to sit down and learn. I want when she's feeling ready and confident and excited to do math, that's probably the time she should be working on math. And when she needs a longer break in the day, I want her to know, hey, that's absolutely okay. I've got flexibility. We're going to adapt the week. There's nothing that's going to fall apart by not hitting this one specific goal. And, and that took time. That took time to eliminate not only that perfectionist approach to homeschooling, but something that we don't realize is that completionist mindset, that when we are sitting and thinking, I've got to check everything off, even looking at curriculum, um, when you look at um, a worksheet or um, a lesson, wanting your child to finish all of it for the sake of crossing it off is going to be far more damaging than looking at it flexible, um, minds with a flexible mindset and saying, okay, I'm going to cross this off because they already did this last week and they don't need the review. They've mastered it. And um, we're going to take this out because we don't have time for it today. And um, I would say, you know, leaning leaning back to your original question then on, on the daily rhythm, it's flexible would be the word. And um, every day we like to have set routines. We know are coming. We all do breakfast together as a family. Um, we all do a devotional together and that's how we're going to start our day every day. They know what time snacks are. <laughs> they know what time lunch is. And they know roughly when um, outings and homestead time are going to happen. And the side of that, and, and those are the most important parts of our day, the family time, the homestead time, our outings together. And then the side of that, we sprinkle in more focused learning. I love that. And I think it sounds probably more realistic <laughs> for, for most people listening um, that are homeschooling their kids, that that would be 
a more peaceful approach instead of trying to force our kids into a schedule. It's one thing when they're going to a school building and that's what, you know, all the kids in the classroom have to abide by. And at home, we don't have to have that. Um, It's not like we have a classroom of 20 kids that we're trying to get to the same place, right? Mm -hmm. So I I love that flexibility. Um, One thing you also mentioned is curriculum and checking off the boxes on on a worksheet. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I realized when I started researching homeschool is that it's good because I think, you know, we're in a time where there is a lot of resources, but it's also overwhelming to make the choice or just to feel like, I don't know, shiny object syndrome, that, that there are so many resources and ideas out there and curriculums. Um, so how do you kind of simplify, maybe keep the most important things at the center and um, make choices rather than, I don't know, spending a ton of money on on all these resources that probably aren't going to get used because it's just too much, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Gosh, it's easy to get pulled in, um, especially again on, on social media. Um, I always say when it comes to curriculum, lean into the gritty and not the pretty. It's amazing the resources you already own if you open your pantry. Um, I did this last year actually on my social page and just looking at all of the different hands-on activities and manipulatives that and, and um, resources we have if we just open our pantry and let our kids, you know, use noodles and and add money and use decimals and, and all of this. Um, it can be overwhelming. I think I think a, a couple things here. Um, curriculum especially throws people off because um, you want to do the best for your kids and then you start your search online and there's thousands of options and people giving high reviews to several of these options and you think, which one is a fit? Um People will reach out to me all the time and say, which curriculum should I be using? And it's, you know, my response is always, I can't tell you which curriculum to use without knowing your child. But with that said, I can say a curriculum will never make or break your homeschool. Um, When we get to the point where we're letting our curriculum kind of run our homeschool or we feel like we're working for our curriculum, you just need to take a step back and pause and remember that our children should be the ones leading their learning. And these curriculums and especially prepackaged curriculums, they can be such great guides. But again, removing that completionist mentality and just leaning into, okay, let's see kind of the skeleton of what this curriculum's recommending that I teach to my child. And then let's see which parts of those feel good for me. And then lean in to see which parts feel good for my child. I've never used a curriculum and at the end been able to say, ta-da, you know, my child worked through every lesson and every activity and we're done. But with homeschooling, we're in this tricky position where we have all this freedom as homeschoolers. And at the same time, it can be challenging not to have any checkpoint in just knowing we're on the right path and what we've chosen is okay, especially for new homeschoolers. That just, that doesn't exist. Once you put in your letter of intent and once you start homeschooling, it's kind of like you're on your own until you submit everything at the end of the year. And I completely get and and understand that well, how will I know if, if I'm on the right path? So a lot comes with trust and confidence that you really can homeschool without much and without spending much. Um, and then just gaining that confidence by watching progress. Um, and I, I think about this in terms of, of my baby boy. Um, there are so many milestones that exist with babies, right? Um, let's just take like a speech milestone by this age, he should be having, you know, X many words. So you have the milestone, um, which is low. This, this is the lowest number possible, the milestone. Um, so at 18 months, um, and this is just my example. So my numbers might be might be wrong here, but at 18 months, um, 
your toddler should be um, speaking 10 to 20 words. That's the minimum that we see the majority of toddlers hit. And then they'll share the average, but the average number of words is 200. And that's the median number that we're seeing toddlers hit. Um, when we um, look, you know, towards towards these two kind of statistics, it's very easy to look at your child and, and have concerns. Oh my gosh, my, my baby is behind the median or they're behind the majority. And then it's also easy to look ahead and, and say, oh my goodness, my toddler is so far past that. I need to advance. Uh, but here's the thing. Instead of looking at the milestone or the average, just look at your child. So I try to drown out all that noise with baby boy. And instead I look at how many words did he have at 15 months? Now at 18 months, does he have more than that number? Progress. And that's where the progress is. And if there's not progress there, okay. Hmm. He didn't advance any number of words. I'm going to write that down and we're going to look at this again and see if there's progress at 24 months. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's hard as a mom, but we, the more we can stop sounding an alarm based on a milestone or an average, instead, just looking pinpoint to our kids, where's the progress, whether they're toddlers learning to talk or whether they're working through curriculum or something struggling in math or something, um, that's difficult for them in reading because that kind of age old, all kids catch up really is true. You're not going to find, you know, a, a line graph where everyone is the same. You're going to see a lot of fluctuation. So um, kind of my long-winded way to say there, whenever we can look at progress, um, that's how as a homeschool mom, we can find solace that our children are learning. We're on the right path. I think our society is so caught up in comparison in a number of ways. And even though, you know, I, as a teacher, and anyone would probably say they've maybe had teachers tell them the same thing, or I'm sure you felt the same, and I've been surrounded by great teachers that we're not comparing kids to each other in the public education system, and we um, we believe that not all kids are at the same pace, right? But the the problem is that, I don't know, there's just like, it's just been so ingrained in our society that even if we have gotten away from that, and even if we know that not all kids are going to be at the same exact pace, we're still so caught up in comparing like, oh, well, my, my friend's kid can do this. So why, why can't mine? Why aren't we at the same place? Um, and, and we compare ourselves to, you know, it's not just for school and our kids. It's just, it's so ingrained in our society. So I love that idea of just looking at your own kid and, and looking at their progress. Oh yeah. And we have to remember that the academic standards that exist in our schools today is to help educators to pace their classroom to that majority. And so it's okay as a homeschooler if your child exists outside of that majority because you're able to take an individualized approach. When a teacher has 25 plus kids in the classroom, it's extremely challenging to stop classroom management, to stop direct instruction, to reach every child at their level. Yeah, it is. It's such a struggle that doesn't exist in homeschool, but mm -hmm. but that is a real struggle in the classroom. Um so I just, I, I love you sharing that. I think that any parent that's listening to this, whether they homeschool or not, can at least take that idea and feel, I don't know, like they can breathe. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and not feel so caught up in, okay, well, is my kid meeting the milestone that the majority of kids are, but rather like, let's, let's see their progress. I have two questions that I think are fun. I, I did... I'm doing two of these episodes. And the first one, um, I talked to a mom who is going through back to school in a public school. And then now we're talking homeschooling. And the two questions that I want to ask is, uh, what are your back to school no's? And what are your back to school yeses? And I asked her too. So I'm just really curious to hear um, from your homeschool perspective, what are your back to school 
kind of no's, <laughs> um, sure. anything that you're saying no to during this season? We say no to a lot during the season. I think it's important to stay intentional and we're also working to live simply and live slow. Um, I say no to filling a calendar just to have it full. Um, I say no to buying more supplies when I know the ones we have left over have so much life left in them. Um, I say no to adding more subject, more things to do, more activities, um, just for the sake of wanting to get more done. Um, and I say no to changing routines that are working. It's it's easy, I think, to get caught up in the back-to-school buzz and, and want new and want more. Um, but I think that the more that we can stay intentional with our no's, the more we actually protect everything that we love about our home culture and what's working in our homeschool. I love that. And I love the idea of saying no to buying more and bringing more in um, just just because, you know, the sales are happening whenever you have you already have things that that work completely fine. Um, On the opposite end of that, what are your back to school yeses, things that you say yes to during the season? Yeah. Gosh, we say yes just to slowing down. Um, we say yes to just continuing to to chase our dreams out here and um, and leaning in to each other. We try, I would say, as a family, we have much deeper goals in saying yes to one another and people than we would in saying yes to things and stuff. That is amazing. I love that (laughs) so much. And that I'm sure anyone listening will resonate with that because that might be why they stumbled upon this podcast anyways, (laughs) because that's what we talk about here is just saying, saying yes to the things that matter um, and saying no more often to the stuff. So I just love that. Could you share any last encouragements or advice um, that you want to share for anyone listening that's either maybe just starting homeschooling or starting back and maybe they're at like a new grade level that maybe feels overwhelming or something like that? Um, Just any homeschool mom that's feeling a little overwhelmed in this back to school season? Sure. I would say to start small and build and trust yourself, build that trust in yourself. Um, you're here on this journey for a reason and you're not alone. Um, if you feel alone, go out and find community um, because we exist. We exist all over the place and even um, on on social media platforms, you can connect with so many moms doing doing what um, you're doing. I'm not personally on Facebook, but I know that there's a lot of state-by-state Facebook groups of moms that homeschool, and several friends are involved in those. There's local co-ops. Um, and just local groups, look for groups to, to connect, you know, and the way that I started connecting when I first started was just going to the park in the middle of the morning and seeing who else was there. And, and then we were able to connect with all these wonderful homeschool moms. So the community exists and both the blessing and the hardest part of homeschooling is the freedom. The freedom is beautiful. And then the freedom, if, if not kind of in check can make you feel isolated and alone and can make you question your decisions. So just start small, trust yourself, and find that community to remind you in the days that are hard that you're doing a great job. Love that so much. Um, Well, I like to ask two questions to every guest that are kind of unrelated to our topic and just for fun. So as we close out, my first question for you is, what is something that you're simplifying in your life right now? Right now, I'm working on this concept of single tasking. So I know that as a society, we talk so much about multitasking, especially in motherhood. You know, what do I have to get done? But I started noticing last year, even as my kiddos were working on a lesson or were doing something hands-on, I was multitasking. I was, you know, planning on the side as they're working on something or, um, or trying to complete something else because I had a quick minute. But Boy, did my heart and my mind shift when I just started leaning into this idea of single tasking and just zoning my presence and my efforts 100% into that moment of what I'm doing and giving myself the same grace I give my kids and we're not going to get it all done in a day. So I would say that right now is the key way that I'm working to simplify. 
I love that. And that's probably really difficult to do because we are so, I don't know, ingrained in this idea of getting more done. My second question is, what's something that you're loving right now? Oh, gosh, I am loving this season. I think this is my very favorite season as we just get ready to to move into fall. And there's something so magical about the home culture in the cozy season and getting out blankets and lighting candles and having tea on the stove. Um, so I'm just, I'm loving this quiet and slow end of summer season. Yes, it's my favorite to to move into the fall. So I, I'm looking forward to that as well. Well, Mandy, thank you so much for your time. Where can listeners find you? Because you you share about homeschooling, but you also share about homesteading um, and homemaking. Where can listeners find you if they would like to follow along with all of that? Oh, absolutely. Um, find me on Instagram and my handles at homebuilteducation. And um, you can also visit my website, homebuilteducation.com. And I'm also about to launch on YouTube and that will be homebuilt education as well. So fun. Well, thank you again for your time, Mandy, and all that you shared today. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Mandy. I especially loved all of her no's. <laughs> I love that she has a lot of no's during the back to school homeschooling season. I love her encouragement that if something is working, don't change it up. There are so many different resources out there for a lot of things in our kids' lives. But as I've explored homeschooling, there are a ton of resources out there and it's easy to just want to switch things up all the time. And I just love that encouragement to keep it simple. It's not all about the stuff. It's not all about the resources. Say no to buying more and bringing more in. But I loved so much about this conversation. And if you did too, I would love it if you would share it with a friend or share it on Instagram or wherever you like to share things. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for doing that. And just thank you for being here and listening into the show. I hope that your back to school season goes well, whatever that looks like for your family. And I will talk to you right back here again next week as we kind of conclude this series. I'm going to do a solo episode and walk us through a minimalish back to school season and go through the four pillars of minimalish, um, what I believe are four, four pillars to minimalish living through the perspective of back to school. So join me back here for that next week and I will talk to you then. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.